0: Yes, welcome back to Home Studio Q&A for yet another week here on Studio Live Today. This is our live show where I answer your questions all about recording in the mobile and home studio. My name is Pete, and if you haven't been here before and you're into home recording and you're looking for tips and tricks and tutorials and live streams just like this one, consider subscribing because we're here every week. And if you're listening in on the podcast or you're watching the replay, don't worry. I love you just as much. Leave your comments, your reviews, your questions. And of course, you can always hit me up on email, pete at com. Now, before we jump into the questions, our topic of the day is about connecting things in the home studio. So what do you need to connect up your things to your other things well i just did a comprehensive video almost 30 minutes in fact might have been a bit over 30 minutes all about all the different home studio cables how to connect up your things to your other things in the home studio so feel free to check out that video it'll i'll have it linked down in the description if you're watching on the replay or if you missed it uh, but here's the basics when you're hooking things up there's kind of sort of three things to remember one is your digital versus your analog so Digital is actually pretty easy. Digital is mostly USB these days. So most of the things that you're going to connect up are going to be USB devices. And it's just a matter of knowing, are you using USB C? Are you using USB A or B, micro or mini and connecting the right type of USB cable? The only other real digital cable is MIDI and making sure that you're connecting your MIDI to your USB or your USB MIDI cable. The next one, though, is the analog side of things gets a little bit trickier because there's a few things to keep in mind there. First of all, there is mono versus stereo. So making sure that you're selecting the right cable, either a mono cable like a guitar cable, a TS cable, which stands for tip and sleeve, or if you need a stereo cable. Uh, Examples of stereo cables are things like uh, quarter-inch, so dual quarter-inch mono, or you can have RCA, those little red and white suckers that you used to plug your VCR and DVD players in with, or or you can even have things like three and a half millimetre TRS, your standard stereo jack that comes on your normal headphones. So mono and stereo is important. And then it all comes down to what sort of connection you have. Now, there's two main types of cables. There is balanced and unbalanced. Here's the short version. Unbalanced means that there is only one copy of the signal and a ground wire, so there's two wires going through, and that is something like a TS connection, a tip and a sleeve, the ground and the signal. That is susceptible to interference, so you can only use an unbalanced cable over a short run, probably only about five to six metres maximum. Anything over that, you're going to pick up a lot of noise. A balanced cable, however, is going to send two copies of the signal, and it does some cool phase trickery to actually reduce and remove any excess noise. So that is super cool, and that is what you would use if you have something like a balanced TRS input or TRS output on your gear. Once you've got all that down, all you need to do is make sure you have the right end. So is it XLR? Is it a quarter inch? Is it an eighth inch? You just need to work those out and you can buy various different cables and adapters that are going to adapt your things and let them plug you in, into your other things. And if you want more information, head over to my gear guide at studiolivetoday.com slash gear. Scroll down to the bottom and I've got some examples there of all the different types of cables that I use and the most common types of cables for connecting your gear in the home studio. So, uh, yes, I hope you found that useful, especially if you missed the full video. And if you did miss that one again, check it out down in the description if you're watching on the video here. And I'll try to remember to put it in the podcast notes as well for the podcast listeners. Let's continue on and dive in here. So let's look at the questions that we have here. We'll answer a few of the questions I've been given through the week, and then we'll jump over to the live folks. And If there's anyone that has any questions and you're here live on YouTube or Facebook, then throw your questions in the chat, put the word question in front of them. That just helps me out and I'll be back to answer those as we go. Here is question number one from Danny VTV. Does DistroKid pay separately for every artist and show all the splits? How about if I already have one account and want to use DistroKid as my distributor? So let's talk a little bit about distributing music. So DistroKid is a distributor, which means you pay for their service. It's uh, $19.99 per year to release unlimited songs to Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all of the online streaming and purchasing platforms. Very cool service, very good deal. Uh, Question Danny has here is if you've got multiple artists, what you can do on DistroKid is you can split Between multiple artists. But here's the catch you do need to all have your own DistroKid account. So, say that there are two of you, you're a duo, just to make it easier, you want to split your DistroKid earnings 50 50. What you can do is release the song. You have to release it under one artist name. But then, if the other person has their own DistroKid account as well, under their artist name, you can say, give this other artist 50%. Or if, say, someone's a featured artist on your song, you can say, all right, if you're a feature artist on my song, I'm going to give you 20% of all the royalties. You can go into your District DistroKid account and say split these royalties 80% to me, 20% to my featured artist. So you do need to both have an account, but you can do those splits out. Of course, what you can do is just get 100% of the royalties and then manually dish them out yourself if <laughs> everyone trusts each other uh, and is comfortable for one person to control all of that. Uh, now, if you already have an account with someone else and you want to distribute with DistroKid, So if you're distributing new music, that is fine. As long as you have a registered name and you release using that same name, places like Spotify and Apple and Google Play, they won't really care as long as they can match it up and find the right artist to match you to. That should be fine. If you want to release music you've already released, so if it's the exact same artist name and exact same song, you will need to remove it. So you'll need to unrelease it, remove it from distribution from whatever other platform you're using, and then re-release it using DistroKid. And I think uh Jade star who's here on the live chat, I think you've done that in the past, Jade. So if you have any additional tips, uh let us know here in the chat. But that uh that should hopefully help you out and answer those questions for you there, Danny. Uh DistroKid, though, is a is a very cool service. And yeah, if you're releasing a lot of music in particular, you can get it all out there and keep 100% of your proceeds from those. So thank you for your question. Let's move on here to question number two. And this one comes from Skillet uh, says, hello, great video. I was wondering, let's say I use Amuse to upload my album on Spotify, iTunes and Apple Music only. Can I upload that same album on my YouTube account? Can I turn on content ID on the account and then earn 100% off it? Will Amuse still claim it even though if I won't select YouTube on their website while uploading? Thanks. Right. So here's how it works. When you're releasing to when you're releasing using Amuse. Now, Amuse are another distributor. They're similar to DistroKid. They are free, so you don't pay anything to release. However, they don't release to as many platforms, and it does take a lot longer. It takes about three weeks in total to get released with Amuse, sometimes up to four or five, whereas DistroKid's usually a few days. So you will be waiting a bit longer, but it is for free. Now, the question here is, what DistroKid offer is they offer free, what is called YouTube content ID. So when you release your song, you can enable YouTube content ID. Now, DistroKid charge for this separately. I think it's something like $10 extra or something, $8 maybe, to add content ID. Uh, Amuse music offer it for free. What happens if you add content ID is if anyone, including you, then uses your music on a video on YouTube for more than like a second. So if it identifies your song being played back on a video, what it will do is it will flag that. It will send a copyright claim to the video creator. And then any revenue that that video creator receives from advertising on that video will be passed on to the original creator of the song, which is you. So let's say you release a song, you put it out there, someone grabs it, they put a video, they get a million views, lots of advertising revenue, YouTube copyright claims on there, all of that advertising revenue gets channeled back to you. Now, that's the key thing to consider here is that it needs to be used on a video that is on a channel that is monetized. So a channel that's actually making money and is actually getting advertising revenue. So if you just have your own channel and you release your YouTube song on there and you're not monetized, well then no royalties are going to be paid for advertising on that video and therefore no royalties are going to make their way back via Amuse. So keep that in mind when you're doing this. Now if you want to ensure that instead of it being claimed by Amuse, you can actually just use your music freely on any YouTube video and there'll be no copyright claims from you or anyone else, just don't select YouTube when you release. Just release to Spotify, Apple Music and others, leave YouTube off and you won't get the content ID on there. So hopefully that helps you out with that question. But yeah, I know the, I think I need to do even more videos. I've got a bunch of videos about music distribution. I think I need to do even more because I get more and more questions every week about some of the intricacies of releasing your music online. Let's continue on here. We have question three, and this is from Elite King Gaming. And this is on the back of a video I did about keyboard shortcuts in GarageBand iOS. Question is, can you use the keyboard to play the piano on GarageBand? So can you use a typing keyboard to play the piano on GarageBand? And the answer is unfortunately no. So whilst there is a keyboard support and there's even keyboard shortcuts in GarageBand on iPad and iPhone now, you can't use the typing keyboard. Now that is different to what you can do on the Mac which is that you can use the typing keyboard. And uh, um, my buddy Dean Davis over at the Songwriting Studio did a video all about that. So uh, I will, again, endeavour to remember to get back and put that link in the description of this video and on the podcast. But if if I don't, all you need to do is search for the Songwriting Studio... Uh, keyboard, typing keyboard, and you should be able to find that one. It's Dean Davis. He's a good dude and he makes good videos. So hopefully that helps you out. Uh, But unfortunately, short answer is no. And uh, there's no real reason why you can't because it's it's a feature that's supported on the Mac. It's just not supported on iOS for some reason. Let's continue on to our next question. This one comes from Slick. Hey, Pete, what was that plug-in that you included in a video a while ago back? Uh, it cuts out all the background noise and makes audio clear. I believe it cost $14. Yes, so the plugin which I've spoken about on the show before, the noise reduction plugin in by grand is called Bruce Free. I was talking with uh, with april keys who i interviewed this morning about rolling your Rs, and i just can't do it but yes bruce free by clev grand uh, is a very cool noise reduction plugin you can use it as a plugin an au v3 plugin in garageband and other digital audio workstations there's also a desktop version for macs and for pcs a vst and an au uh, but the au v3 plugin is very cool and you can even use it standalone so if you, say, record a video, you've got a bunch of background noise, you can actually send that video file or the audio from your video to Bruce Free, get it cleaned up, send it back to like iMovie or LumaFusion or on a video editor on your phone or your tablet, and then you can reincorporate that new audio nice and clean. So it's great for music, it's great for video, it's great for any audio production where you're getting noise and I've spoken a heap about noise in the past so I won't go into more detail here go back and listen to the other uh what are we episode 11 here <laughs> the other 10 episodes I think we're at episode 12 the other 11 episodes we talk about noise and removing noise a bunch one more question here and then we will jump over and take a look at the live questions that we have here today a question from random guy hi random guy can I still upload music in DistroKid while there's a pending release. Bit of a theme here today in the questions. Amuse wants me to wait to my pending release to be released in stores before I can upload it again. It's frustrating. It sure is. And I feel your pain, random guy. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you're releasing with DistroKid, because it's unlimited, you can have as many songs and albums and EPs in the pipeline at any given time. Plus, it only takes two to three days for them to get out there. So You can, if you're producing a song a day, say you were doing a song a day challenge, you could literally release a new single every day, even if yesterday's single hasn't been completely released yet. So that's very cool. Amuse, on the other hand, limits you to one active release at a time. So until your active release goes through the two-week vetting process and actually hits the stores, which usually takes, like I say, up to about three weeks, you can't actually release another single, EP, or album. So be very careful with that. If you want to release a bunch of songs do it as an EP or an album with a muse. If you do a single, you're going to have to wait for that single to be completely released before you release your next single. So that is definitely one of the reasons why paying your $20 a year to DistroKid will get you a better service and will get you better speed and better flexibility when it comes to releasing your songs. So I hope that helped you out. But yeah, I know. All of my answers so far have been, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Yes, it is frustrating. But hopefully I'm at least giving you some other options that we can actually uh, we can actually talk to and help that out uh let's have a look here i'll see if we've got any questions here yes we do uh here we go so a question here from Football Star TV. Hello, you use an audio mixer, for channel. I think the model is TUO4. Is it worth the money, time for YouTube streaming? Uh, so I've, I've used a few different mixers. There is one in the background. If you're watching on the video, you can just see it over there, uh, which is one of the, the um, less expensive four channel mixers. I've only tried it out a couple of times. I need to dive in and play with it a bit more. It seems to do a pretty good job, And what I might actually have to do, I might do a live stream, like a test of it live, plug it in and use it as my streaming service instead of using what I'm using right now, which is the Zoom Live Track L8. So, uh, yeah, uh, hold that thought and I'll try to, uh, through the next couple of weeks, plug it in and maybe do a bit of a test run live stream. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but thank you for tuning in, and thank you for your question. Uh, question here from Sion: What's the difference between covering a song and remixing a song, and can you get in trouble for either of them? Excellent question. So there's really not a lot of difference. Most of the the main difference between a cover and a remix is that a cover is generally all of your own performance, but you're using the lyrics and music of an original song. A remix is often actually sampling the original song. So they do fall into similar, but slightly different categories in terms of getting into trouble. Uh, depends what you do with them. So most of your platforms so YouTube specifically, and I've done a bunch of videos about copyright issues on YouTube. So if you search my name, Pete John's YouTube copyright, you'll come across a few of these. Uh, YouTube have their music policies page. If you go to, I think youtube.com slash music policies, something like that. Uh, you can actually view all the different copyright policies that YouTube have, and you can actually search by song. So you can find a song, and what it will say is something like, uh, "If you can you use this music in your video? Uh, yes, no, maybe. And can you cover this song? Yes, no, maybe. And sometimes there's different things for different things. So the producer or whoever owns the rights to that music may say that uh, using the song, to so actually using bits of the copyrighted song. So say you got a 10 second sample in your song or you're remixing a song, they might say, no, we're gonna block that. We don't want that to be viewable in any country. So they they can choose to do that. They can say, no, if we detect a sample, we're going to block it. Or they can choose to do revenue sharing, which is what I talked about earlier with the whole content ID thing. Whereas if anyone uses that music or a piece of that music in their video, any revenue made from that video gets channeled back to the original creator of that music. Uh, When it comes to covers, they can also change what they do with covers. They can also block it. There are some artists and uh, publishers that are renowned for blocking all fan-made content, all cover versions. I think it's completely asinine because why would you stop? No one's going to say, oh, I'm listening to that particular band, but I'm not going to listen to their original music. I'm going to listen to some rando do a ukulele cover instead. Is that really actually impacting their ability to make money? And if they're smart, they'll just do what most do, which is for a cover song, they will use revenue sharing. So when I've released cover songs on YouTube, uh, I do I put them out there and then nine times out of 10, something will pop up saying uh, EMI or BMI group or someone own the copyright of this. Uh, but don't worry, th- All that's going to happen is any revenue you make is going to go to them, which is cool. I want the original artist of the song to get the revenue from me covering their song. means that I can have my song out there. You can listen to it the Original person that gets paid for it. Everyone's happy. In terms of releasing, so if you want to distribute it to Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, etc., you need to actually pay a, uh, a a royalty. So there's a particular thing you need to do to get the licensing and the mechanical and the stuff. There's it, a lot of uh, jargon and, and things that go into it. But the short version is DistroKid one dollar per month per song. So I've got one cover song that I've released through DistroKid and it costs me $12 a year to have that cover song out there, and that just covers their cost in making sure that they find the original artist and paying them. So Josh Abrams, whose song I covered, gets paid every time someone streams or buys that song a small proportion of any royalties that I get. And then Amuse actually have a way to release the song for free as a cover version. Once again, they manage. You just tell them who the original artist is, and then they manage how much of that royalty gets paid. However, if you release a song and you don't declare it's a cover or you don't declare it's using a sample, and it is and that original artist gets hold of that, that's where you can have problems. So that's where they can uh, at best tell you to remove the song or have the song removed. At worst, they can uh, take you to court and uh, sue you for using their content without permission, which is not a place that anyone really wants to be. Hopefully that helped you out there, Sion, and uh, went into a bit, a bit more detail than uh, than what uh, what you probably asked for. Uh, Jade Star is uh, on the DistroKid releasing albums and songs. If you remove an album or song from a disc. Distro- dis- digital distribution label to another, always remember to copy the ISRC code so that you can reuse them with the new distributor. Very, very good tip. So once you've released a song, you'll be able to go into your account, whether it's through Amuse or DistroKid or whoever, and an ISRC code will have been applied. If you keep that code, that is what the stores use to identify your song or album or EP versus all the others. So if you have that code, when you re-release it, it'll say, do you already have an ISRC code? Uh, if you do, enter it in and you'll be good to go. Alrighty. Let us continue on. We've got other questions here. A question here from Mr. Rads: What is the Creative Commons license when I upload stuff on YouTube? Does it mean that people can use your music without credit or not? Um, Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of different licensing and other questions around Creative Commons, and I'm by no means a copyright lawyer, so I'm probably going to be out of my depth trying to explain everything here. But the short version is there's a bunch of different ways that you can select to tag your videos, to tag your audio when you're sharing it. Creative Commons can either be with attribution or without, which means other people can use your stuff without attributing, without saying your name, or you can say they can use it with putting your name in there in the credits. Or you can say they can use it completely free. Or you can say, no, you need to license this audio or this song or this video from me uh, if you want to use any of it. So there's a few different things. All Alrighty, uh, let's go back. What have we got? We're, we're, see, I ranted so much about distributing and copyright and things that are probably above my pay grade uh, that we're a little bit behind here. But that's okay. Let's jump back over here. We've got a few more questions here from through the week we'll bring up here. Uh, Here we go. It is uh, John Jahaziel uh, says, hi, brother. How do we export my song? So this was a question about GarageBand. Uh, Now, GarageBand and other – if you're using iOS, iPad or iPhone and you're on iOS 13 or iPadOS 13 – then yeah the the share sheet has changed there's been a few problems in terms of actually exporting music uh the, the main problem being that when you go to share something at least from GarageBand I'm not sure if it's on other platforms as well but the save to files function don't work no more so if you save to files it saves it as some weird file enclosure it's not actually a wav file or an m4a file what you need to do is use open in and this is a probably a good tip for everything is when you're sharing First thing you do is select Open In, and then you can either send it straight to another platform. So you want to send it to iMovie, or you want to send it to LumaFusion, you want to send it to Final Touch to Master, you can do it directly that way. Or you can then hit Save after you've done the Open In. The Open In will kind of export it and get it all ready. You then hit Save to Files, it goes and saves your file somewhere on your iPhone, iPad, or iCloud Drive. So that is my tip. On that one. Uh, let's continue on. Uh, another question here from Yasir Ansari says Hi, I've connected my iPad Pro to my digital keyboard using Type C to USB. I want GarageBand to record internally and not record external sound, but it is not happening. What to do? So uh, the here's the issue with this. So this is a iPad Pro. The third generation has USB-C. So you should be able to, and I know folks like Jade and, and others here uh, on the stream have done this before. So connecting up your USB-C to USB and recording a mini keyboard. There can be issues around monitoring sound if you do that. So you may need to invest in something like a USB-C hub that has a headphone jack, as well as your USB connections to connect up your keyboard. So I would look around for something like that because the problem may be, even if you can connect up your keyboard, it may not be playing back through headphones and that could make it hard to record uh, record your MIDI parts. So that would be my recommendation. I actually only own lightning based. Uh, I don't have a Gen 3 iPad Pro, I've got a Gen 1. So all of my stuff is still lightning based and has its own headphone jack. So everything I do is using the handy dandy. Yes, we can't go one episode with without talking about it, the lightning to USB 3 adapter, which connects your lightning to your USB devices and has a charging port there as well. And because my iPad has a headphone jack, I could use the headphone jack at the same time. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Let's continue on here. We've got a couple more questions coming down here. Right. A uh, question here from D. Nimmin. Uh, if you haven't checked out D. Nimmin's channel, he has a mobile audio recording channel, uh, which is very, very cool. Go subscribe to him now. Does an amazing job. Uh, so D's question is, your audio sounds good with that headphone mic combo. What model is it? Now, I get asked about this quite a lot, and I've done quite a few videos on it. If you search for the name of these, which is the JBL Endurance Run, uh, you'll probably find videos from me because they are my go-to headphones. Let me uh, throw it up here it's these little suckers here. I know they're a bit of a weird shape. They take some getting used to, but they actually fit in your ear really nicely, which means they're really good for audio playback and for in-ear monitoring. They have a microphone on here that punches so far above its weight, it's not funny. So I use this for most of my mobile audio recording, for my live streaming when I'm mobile. Um, I used these last weekend when I just wanted to do some quick streams from on holidays at the beach. And yeah, they do a really good job. We'll pick up a bit of wind noise outside, but so will everything. And you can wrap a bit of felt around there if you want to reduce the noise. Uh, but yeah, these things are about $20 US, about $30 here in Australia. I have like five pairs because they were on sale for like $18 US. I bought five pairs of them. They're in my drawer. Each one lasts, has lasted me probably five, four to five months because I'm a very heavy user. And then I just switch to my next pair. And of course, because Apple, I have to have my little dongle here. I still haven't wrapped anything around. People have said, yeah, wrap it in heat shrink and, and electrical tape. So I think I've been through five of these in the last year. But yes, that is my recommendation. The JBL Endurance Run. The best headphones in the world. Well, okay, they're not the best. <laughs> the best combination of value and quality when it comes to headphones. Question here from Bojan Petrovic. Uh, Hello, you are very, you are really very great. Thank you. I like your videos. Uh, Can you help me, please? I desperately try to connect my Korg Kronos keyboard. I want to populate the MIDI tracks in GarageBand with the internal sounds from the Kronos. How can I use the MIDI track from GarageBand, but the sounds from my Korg keyboard? Thanks in advance. So, short answer is that you can't. However, there are ways around this. So, the two ways that you can record external sounds is to use an analog signal send so you can use an analog audio interface and then go from the headphone jack or the line output jack of your keyboard into the audio interface if you're using something like a Focusrite Scarlett, scarlet a behringer euphoria a steinberg ur series all the different ones i recommend then you can actually send that audio out put it into your interface, connect that up and record that straight into GarageBand. Now the the downside is it will record it as an audio file, not as MIDI. So MIDI is just note information. MIDI doesn't send any actual audio, any sound at all. It is just ones and zeros, it is just data. So if you wanna send the sounds, you can do it that way. If you want to control the sounds of your keyboard using MIDI, it's a little bit harder. You can do is sample your sounds and then put them in the sampler, and then play them back using MIDI, using the sampler instrument. The problem with that is, as you've probably known when you've used a sampler before, lower notes will be longer, higher notes will be shorter, because all it's doing is changing the frequency of that sample, which is going to speed it up or slow it down, which also results in the the actual uh, note going up and down as well. So not a perfect solution. Uh, You can do things like sample say a whole octave on eight separate samples and that way you've at least got a little bit more range that you can use so that is a couple of ways to do it but yeah not not uh, not the easiest thing in the world to do I'm afraid uh we'll jump back over because I think we've got uh we've got a couple of questions here do we have one more question oh we've answered that question I'll just see if there's another question here uh yes Do Now, uh, this was a a response to one of them uh, from Sion. Quick tip, do a screen recording and it will record the audio. Uh, Yeah, so if you ever do want to record the audio of anything playing on your iPhone or iPad, a screen recorder will actually record the audio of whatever's playing back on your iPhone or iPad. So that is a good way to capture some quick audio. I've legitimately used that to capture my own videos when, say, I want to clip out 30 seconds of a YouTube video for an Instagram post, instead of having to work out how to download the YouTube video and do all of the other bits, uh, yeah, just play it back and clip my own video. I figure I'm not going to get in trouble with me. However, whenever you're recording anyone else's audio or video or anything, please beware of the copyright. In uh, implications of that, don't go taking people's stuff or using people's audio or video without their permission. It can be, it can land you in hot water, and it's just not cool because we're all creators. We're all creating stuff. Uh, yeah, you don't want you don't want your stuff being used by other people without your permission. So do unto others, and don't use other people's stuff without their permission we are at the end here. So thank you so much for everyone who asked questions. Hopefully you got some value out of this. If you're watching here on YouTube or Facebook, hit the like button. That just tells me I should keep doing these weekly shows. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure you're subscribed, leave a review on your favorite podcasting app or platform of choice. And of course you can get in touch with me. All of the ways to do that are over at my website, studiolivetoday.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.